0: Hi, October 15th, 2023, Professor Levy here. Um, I, I don't have a call anymore, and that is a good thing. That might be one of the few good things that happened this week, but I'll take it. Um, this is another banner week in terms of global events. Um, I, I I mean, do I know where to start? Yeah, you know, um, the Middle East is on the brink of generalized war. Um, and that's, <laughs> uh, that's it. Um, it is... Unbelievably confusing. It is um, it's just, just horrifying in multiple ways. Um, a lot of people who are not directly involved are urging other people to keep cool, not get involved, don't let this get go beyond the, the two parties that are currently um, engaged in war. But, um, you know, we have seen, as historians, we've seen other... Small events become really, really large very quickly. Remember how fast World War I started? I, I'm not suggesting that Middle Eastern alliances are, are similar, but things can get out of hand. And, and, and we are now in front of a situation that we, I mean, by, by we, I mean the whole world, is dealing with another major front that is going to take an enormous amount of attention away from other s- things that need to be taken care of. And, um, yeah, it's 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 bad. Um, but it's not the only bad thing. Uh, there have been a series of earthquakes in Afghanistan. They're so frequent and so powerful that even people whose homes are still standing are camping outside for fear that the next quake is going to be the one that destroys their house. Um. That that's bad enough, um, but Afghanistan has also long been the site of global rivalries um, in the 20th century. The Soviet Union was involved, um, it, sort of, it, it, was, it was Afghanistan was sort of a a last Cold War um, theater of conflict. Um, but more recently, the United States was was stationed. There were sort of U.S. forces um, stationed in Afghanistan. Supporting secular governments and helping build democratic institutions. Um, and the United States had been in, had been in Afghanistan for decades now. And, and that was not without opposition, especially most recently from factions in our government that considered Afghanistan politics not worth U.S. taxpayer money. And, um, so in 2021, the United States left Afghanistan. It, um, it it left and it took with it support for those democratic institutions and for those secular governments and the extremely religious Taliban government took over again. Um, Beauty salons have been shut because apparently women only spaces are forbidden under Sharia law. And Sharia law is what the Taliban essentially uses as its governing principles. Um, When the United States left Afghanistan the women's soccer team also fled for the same reason, because it knew that under Sharia law and under the Taliban, it would not be able to exist. Um, there are a series of other awful things that happened in 2021 in the aftermath of, of the U.S. departure. Um, and, and, and sort of part of that is that the US no longer is involved in Afghanistan, um, largely because the Taliban does not want it involved, because many of the um, the processes that the United States was supporting were anathema, are anathema to what the Taliban believes. Um, but that doesn't mean that Afghanistan is not getting humanitarian aid from the United States and other nations that the Taliban does, doesn't actually sort of respect or condone. International aid organizations are aggregating that foreign aid and they distribute it amongst those that have been displaced because of the earthquakes. And so in the context of this horrible event and, you know, the horrible event can you can think about, you know, if you think about women not being able to go to uh, a hairdresser because it's, they're not allowed to congregate, that's bad enough. Um, but the earthquake is, is, is indiscriminately awful and so here is another example of diplomacy finding a way to help people even when the governments can't do it explicitly so this is one of the many ways in which diplomacy works and i'm, I'm happy to have read in your comments that you thought diplomacy meant people got along Now diplomacy is just people find ways to help circumstances so that war is not the outcome um so, yeah, diplomacy has failed massively in the Middle East, but seems to have at least allowed some aid into Afghanistan right now. Um, but what I want to talk about today is, is a topic that isn't really global, but it, it, ne- it really needs to be addressed in this class. Um, and as I mentioned earlier in the introductory lectures, this class is designed to make you succeed. There are no pop quizzes in this class. There are no trick questions in the assignments. And everything you need to know is either in the syllabus or it's in the prompt or it's going to be answered in discussion sections or it'll be answered on Piazza if you ask it. But that requires that you do your part, right? You need to read the syllabus. Um, You need to read my announcements. I mean, I have received so many requests for extensions, and, and I'm, I'm urging you to please see the syllabus and the submission guidelines because everyone can submit late in this class. You, you don't have to beg for my understanding. You have it. It is built into the class. You can submit up to five days late without penalty. I don't need to know why. You don't need to ask me for forgiveness. It's, it's I understand things happen. Um, after those five days, the assignment closes and then that's done. And, and, and so, you've, because, you because know, I think I think five days is, is, is enough and also because I think you need to sort of keep working towards what comes afterwards. Also, there are like 10 points of extra credit. So if you miss an assignment, you, you, can, you don't have to make up that assignment. Just do the extra credit and you will have earned the points. But that, that's in the syllabus. In the syllabus, I explain what our submission guidelines are and what the point of the extra credit is. It's sort of a, it's an insurance um, many of you have also asked me if you could resubmit your first lecture comments because you didn't complete them correctly. And I, I'm asking you to please see the announcement on Piazza and in the announcements that, where I tell you that, um, that my comments and your grade in this assignment is a learning moment. So that if you did it wrong, understand what you got wrong, don't do it again, and don't worry because this first lecture comment doesn't count towards your final grade. The reason why it doesn't count towards your final grade is because I don't want this first try to count against you. I want you to learn from it. So if you got the grade, now you know that's how to do it. And if you didn't get the grade, then you can learn to do it correctly for the next time. That's why the grade doesn't count. I'm not asking you to do busy work. I'm asking you to learn how to succeed in this class. Um, Piazza, which I know you, some of you sort of resent because it's well, because it's not Discord or a group me. Um, but it's actually a really easy way for us to communicate and for me to sort of send out announcements to everyone. And it's actually easily searchable. Like it's, I think it's more easily searchable than a, a, a Discord thread. So, if you want to know if I've posted anything on Piazza, just search by my name. Um, if you want to see if Anyone has asked about citations, just put that word citations on the search bar and it'll pop up. You don't have to scroll. See, now in Discord, you have to scroll and scroll and scroll to see what people have said. But in Piazza, you can just put a search term in and see if anyone said it. And if no one's asked that question, then please do post it and I will answer it relatively quickly. So here's the thing. And this is what today's lecture really is about. You are here to learn. And part of learning is solving problems and finding solutions even if no one is there to tell you what the solution is. Right remember this is not because we intend to fail you it's quite the contrary our goal is for you to succeed and if if you're going to succeed you you're going to have to learn. Like university this class at least is not Squid Game. So there's no need to sort of worry about it as if it were. But the, the that so that's one part of of what I want you to know. But the other thing is that Teaching you is only one of the many jobs your TAs and I have. Now, I know that many right-wing pundits often say that the only thing university faculty do is brainwash students to become woke socialists. And uh, um, I can guarantee you that most uh, faculty are actually way too busy doing research and trying to publish to be political activists, uh, let alone recruiting students. Um, Generally, when faculty get accused of being brainwashing, woke socialists, it's uh, by people who don't know what we do. So I thought that what uh, we would do today is make sure you know what university faculty and university teaching assistants do. Like, what is our job? Um, So at a research institution, which the University of California is, faculty are paid to teach, but they're promoted when they produce research and publish it. So that means that what we do in the classroom matters, but if we want to get promoted, we have to do research and publish it. And, and by publish, I don't mean write tweets or opinion pieces in newspapers, although the, you know universities are appreciative of our time when we do that. But really, promotion needs to um, be a paper in a peer-reviewed journal or a book. And peer-reviewed journals are the kind of journals I hope you are going to consult when you do research. I mean, newspapers are great. They're great primary sources, but you want to—if you want to know what the experts think—you have to go where the experts publish, right? And the experts publish in peer-reviewed journals. So, what makes an expert? <clears throat> well, other experts make an expert. Um, that's what a peer review is. It's—it's it's other experts in your field reading your paper before it is considered for publication. And so, these experts who are also faculty at universities where they also teach and do research. They will take time out of their teaching and out of their research schedule to read papers that are between like 20 and 50 pages long, and they'll assess them critically. And they'll say whether these papers are good enough to be published yet. Uh, And and generally no paper is good enough to be published on the first try. Um, And so often that paper is going to be sent back with a long list of recommended improvements, which the author is going to complete and send back, and that paper is going to get reviewed again. And maybe it gets published, but generally it's going to get published after a few more revisions. And the sequence just repeats itself. A paper can go for multiple rounds of revisions before it, subm- before it gets published. And at each stage, multiple other faculty members are reading, correcting, and writing reviews. So for a paper to be published in a journal, um, it also has to make it through like a series editor, the journal editor. And that editor is generally also faculty at a university. And that editor is getting a bunch of submissions. So these papers get submitted. And that editor then has to ask colleagues to review the papers. And then the editor has to hound these colleagues to please send in the review on time. And it's, it's not unheard of for a submission to have to wait about six months before hearing back if the journal will consider it for publication or if it needs to go through another round of, of revisions before it can be considered. And by the way, no one is getting paid to do any of this work. I mean, maybe sometimes you'll get a few books offered in payment for writing a review, but a few books don't amount to the hours of work that you're investing in this. And so the really good question is like, why do university faculty do all this? Why do they do all this free labor? Well, if we don't do this free labor, then our work is not going to get reviewed or published And then we don't get promoted and we have to get promoted. Otherwise, well, otherwise, eventually we're not actually doing the work of a research faculty at a research university. So just to recap, faculty teach and they do research and they write the research up and submit it and hope that after many more hours of work, it's going to get published. And in the meantime, they're also reading and reviewing papers from their peers and while they're teaching, they're, of course, also providing feedback to the students, and they're grading their work, and they're writing recommendation letters. They're also directing graduate students, and they're reading their graduate students' papers and dissertations, and they're preparing those graduate students for the job market. And they're also participating in the running of the university. Faculty sit on department committees. They sit on college and university committees, and they sit on professional association committees. And they go to conferences where they present their research, and they listen other pre- others present their research. And all of that is what we call academia. But but wait, there's more. In order to be, you know, before you can be considered for a university faculty job at a research institution, you have to have a PhD. That's what confers you the title of doctor. And in order to get a PhD, students in the humanities usually do about six years of study, two to three years of intense reading and research to find and develop a research topic, and then another two or three years of research and writing of the dissertation. And in order to be able to live while they're graduate students, graduate students are often employed as teaching assistants. So when universities were small, um, and most university faculty were tenure-track employees, which means employees that have a, a certain guarantee of employment, graduate students who worked on campus were a small proportion of the instructional personnel. And like faculty, they were supported by administrative personnel. Over the last 40 years, universities have changed significantly. A lot more instructional personnel than ever are contract workers with no guarantee of employment. So they're really sort of just hired to teach, not hired to research. Um, glass sizes have ballooned. I mean, look at ours. There are almost 600 students in this class. And demands on teaching personnel have increased. Now, For this class alone, teaching assistants need to have a home computer. They need to have fast internet. And they need to be able to manage the learning management system, Canvas. And each TA has almost 75 students. They hold discussion sections. They hold student hours or office hours. They grade assignments almost every week. And they're also taking at least three graduate classes per quarter. And they're making advance on their independent research project, which will eventually be a three to 500-page dissertation, which the graduate dean expects all students to complete within seven years. That's, That's not nothing. So when I posted the announcement this week, that neither TAs nor I would respond to questions about the assignments. It's because your TAs and I are working on our research over the weekend. Also, most of the questions have been answered in discussion section or on Piazza or in the prompt. And I see you've started a Discord server, which is great, because that means you will help each other find the answer, which is as it should be. You have to learn from each other. You have to help each other out. Don't freak each other out. Don't see monsters where there are none. We're here to help you during the week. That's what... uh, student hours are for discussion sections, piazza and emails, not emails, but inbo- sending messages to the Canvas inbox. We're here during the week to help you do your best. On the weekends, we're working on our own research, and and you guys can find the answers to the questions in all the material that we have left behind, that is online, and amongst each other. So I, I hope this kind of overview of over what your TAs and what your faculty do when they're not teaching helps place us into context and helps you understand why there have to be some rules on how we engage with each other um, over the weekends. And and I hope you understand. I will be available as of tomorrow morning, 8am for questions on Piazza. I hope you guys had a fantastic weekend and I look forward to this week with you. Take care.